0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com weightloss. Hello, and welcome to the first series of Help, I'm in my 20s, a career development podcast where we hear stories of young professionals in many different careers. I'm Georgie, your host and creator of this podcast. My aim is that you will hear insights into various career paths that people are taking, hear the detail of how they got to where they are now, and listen to key learnings from their experiences. I can't wait for you to hear my guest today. We are welcoming Katie Din, previously an insights analyst, now a business intelligence developer, an old colleague of mine, and now a friend. We met working in the airline industry, and in the time that I've remained at that same company, Katie has moved to a few different ones, progressing, learning new skills and developing all the time and has also moved across the country. I love hearing what Katie has to say and the way she makes decisions and makes changes. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get started. Welcome Katie to Help I'm In My Twenties. Thanks so much for taking part. How are you? No problem. Good. I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? All good. Happy Monday. So you've just started a new job um, in a new company in fashion retail and how's that going? It's amazing. I'm scared that I'm going to jinx it by saying how good it is.
1: I'm (laughs) what six working days in Mm um but honestly it's been well first of all it's been the best onboarding experience I've ever had and considering that's been done while it's virtually is amazing I was set up with all of the programs and tools that I needed within the first couple of days Mm -hmm. I had access to everything so it meant even by like day probably at the end of day two I could actually start doing some work and feeling helpful rather than you know, that first week where you feel like you're more of a hindrance than a help. Mm. So
0: that's been really good. And the culture is amazing, too. So definitely a good good decision to move. That's good. That's something I really can't wait to talk about, because we met in working in the airline industry, I think maybe four years ago, maybe five years ago, something like that. Definitely a while ago and since then I've stayed at the same company and you've gone to a couple of different companies so are you able to give a bit of a summary of your journey from maybe even starting at university I think you did a year of business placement maybe and then uh, on from there. Yeah so well I guess I'll start
1: with getting into uni. Um, (laughs) It's
0: a good place to start.
1: At college, um, for my A-levels, I'd taken maths, further maths, and biology. I had to drop chemistry because I wasn't very good at it. (laughs) Um, And I decided I wanted to be an optician, which is wildly different to what I actually do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got a Saturday job working in the local optician's. And then one day when I was in there, I was like learning how to fit glasses. So when patients come in to collect them, you have to like put them on, check that they fit behind their ears. And I have a really bad phobia of ears. So (laughs) I I can't can't do it. I can't be an optician. I can't touch people's ears. And also I didn't want to be that close to people's faces. Um, Fair enough. Especially nowadays. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it turns out I wasn't very good at biology either. So I was kind of left with math and further maths so okay. I had to change my uni applications to be maths because there wasn't really anything else I could do um, and it's interesting I didn't actually get the grades to get into my uni so I checked like my UCAS application in the morning I'd got accepted to university. So I was like, amazing, can't wait to see my results. And then I didn't get what I was predicted. And I was like, I can't believe they've let me in. Like that, something that must was different. exactly
0: the same as what happened to me as well. I didn't quite get the grades and luckily they still took me, which was great. <laughs> it's so-
1: I mean, when you're that age as well, you kind of think it's the be all and end all that if you mm. don't get them, then that's it, your life is over. But I mean, even if you get into like your
0: backup uni or have to go through clearing, it's still mm. a uni, like a degree is a degree, right? Exactly, definitely. And I mean, getting in is the the first bit anyway. You've still got a few yeah. years left to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I found, I think because I'd done further maths, that was a really good bridging step between mm. A-level and university. So first year I didn't find too difficult. Um, it was second year and final year that were crazy crazy busy I most of uni was spent in the library till like 3am okay um (laughs) yeah
0: that's quite late
1: really late but then I am a night owl so yeah that's true yeah um so yeah my uni which was Aston uni they're really really into encouraging students to do their placement year Mm -hmm. so for the year in industry I had no idea what to do Um, so I applied for anywhere that would take me and I ended up working um, in accounting and finance which I'd never done before but I kind of figured maths numbers accounting finance fine Mm -hmm. Um, anyway it wasn't for me I think because it's so rigid you know it's very much like you need these numbers and they go here on a profit and loss statement and Mm -hmm. that that, that's kind of it right you
0: I mean there's there's a lot more to it. it yeah
1: yeah it's exactly that and I don't do super well with that. I'm, I'm much better at like investigating a bit more trial and error kind of digging into things and I just didn't really find that that was the experience I had. Like I had a great time and I think I learned so much even things like sending emails and using Excel and mm-hmm. presenting because doing a math degree you don't ever have to present apart from in final year after your dissertation but other than that I kind of got thrown in and We went on all these courses which were amazing and it was like you know go and present to this senior person and obviously I was terrified (laughs) um but then it it stood me in really good stead kind of afterwards so I think from that year I took so much um of like the the ways of working kind of stuff yeah so then I managed to graduate from uni Mm -hmm.
0: um didn't didn't you do pretty well I think yes Mm -hmm. yes what did you get? (laughs) Um, I got a first. Yeah, very um, well from university. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: thank you. And it, do you know what? Actually, this is one of the things um, I'm sure we'll touch on it at some point. But one of my big weaknesses is I'm super hard on myself. But more so, I kind of make excuses. Normally, when I'm like, you know, yes, I got a first. I'm like, oh, but it's only because final year was 75% of my grade, and in the first term, I worked so so hard because I thought there was a module I was gonna fail that then I actually got a first overall for the first time ever. And I thought maybe it's possible, but I'm always like, oh, it's only because of this. I'm never like, yeah, it's because I worked really hard, which, you know, I did.
0: Yeah, I um, definitely in our conversations over the years, I have to sometimes be like, hang on a second. <laughs> did it, wait a minute, you got a first from university. <laughs> yeah, and I even got an award for having the oh, highest exactly. mark in your dissertation. Ex- highest mark in your dissertation. Yeah, I got through university. <laughs> We were a small class, and there's only like forty of Stop us. Stop making excuses again. <laughs>
1: <That's> um, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But yeah, and the craziest time was so our exams were split kind of down the middle, January and June, July, whenever they are in the mm. summer, maybe even May. Mm. Um, but around the January ones was obviously when you're starting to get through kind of you do your applications for your grad scheme like November December yeah. if you go for like the first ones that are released so I remember I'd got um I'd done an assessment centre at the start of December and then I'd had to do an email to go for an interview and I could pick like the slot and
0: mm-hmm. it was
1: either bang in the middle of all my exams or the day before so I was like right yeah. I have to do it the day before and get it over so <laughs> it was just a crazy crazy busy time um but then I did get the job for that grad scheme, which was where I met you. Uh-huh. Um, so that was an analytics grad scheme. Just taking um, a
0: step back, how was the graduate recruitment process? Cause I know some companies are, I mean, I did a graduate scheme, but in a much smaller company. So I know some graduate schemes are extremely intense. How did you find yours?
1: I think intense is a, is a good word mm. to describe it. There was your online application, and then I think after the initial application, I think for the one that I got, I don't think there was a phone interview. I think you were then just invited straight to an assessment centre. And I think you split into three groups. So you all kind of do each part at a different time. And we'd done the tests first, which was amazing for me because I was like, you know, with a test you can kind of, well, I thought I could kind of tell how it was going. Yeah. Like the maths ones I find like relatively okay um and then the logic ones they're a complete guessing game right Mm. but I you know I must have done all right in that and I think then I had the group exercise which I found I actually find those things quite fun and I I mean I (laughs) love interviews as well I sound like such a dork when I say that but um the group exercise was good like it gets you chatting to people and then it was lunch straight after so you're still in that mode of like talking to everybody else oh great kind that's of really
0: good relaxed. starting to yeah. work a bit yeah
1: yeah exactly and they say that they're not but I'm like all the assessors stay and have their lunch with you and I yeah. think you know it could probably come down to if you and somebody else both did equally as well but you were super sociable and they didn't speak to anyone that might mm. play into it they say well we don't know how they'd fit in the team so yeah and then the interview stage I remember them asking um if you were asked to estimate how many words are posted on Facebook in the UK every day how would you do it gosh okay and I I was like okay well first of all I take the population of the UK and they were like yeah I was like which is <laughs> and then they they told me I think like 60 million is that right yeah And then a bit more yeah. around there yeah I think at the time I was just like, I, I don't know. So they <laughs> told me the number. I was like, thanks guys. Um, and then I was sort of like, you know, over 18 year olds or over 16, I think you have to be, but probably under like 80 or whatever. So mm. probably like 40%. And then I was like, and then I'd look on my Facebook and see how many people posted every day, how many words, average, blah, blah, blah. Um, and when I spoke to them afterwards, like obviously once I got the job, they were like, mm. yeah, we really don't care about the numbers and you doing the maths in your mm-hmm. head. It's just kind of, can you do that? quick estimate if you're in a meeting and somebody asked you something or you know there was a number presented would Mm. you be able to kind of say hang on a minute that seems wildly out or that seems
0: you know pretty good so it's interesting the things they look for yeah I was asked a similar question in my interview for the same company um but not part of the Um, grad scheme and they said I think it was um how many tires are there in the UK and so it's basically all about understanding how you would approach the problem rather than actually what your answer is
1: yeah so then after that I went home and was like you know it was fine I'm pretty tired but I definitely won't have got it mm. and then two weeks later I was in the middle of telling my friend and her mom at her house about like oh yeah it was good but I don't think I got it and then I was like oh they've just emailed me I was like, oh they want me to go for another interview I was like oh, that's crazy <laughs> through to um, the next round <laughs> I think there was maybe like six of you there so I recognized a couple of people from my assessment center day mm-hmm. which was nice you know just that sort of familiarity and like we're all in this together kind of thing but also I want to beat you
0: <laughs> yeah um, exactly
1: friendly rivalry <laughs> um and then they gave us a tour of the office and like we had a sit down with some of the managers so it was mm-hmm. actually it was like pretty enjoyable yeah um and then I think I heard back it was the start of February actually so yeah like talking through it it doesn't seem like that long but to go from November to February when you're also applying for other places Mm. um it seems pretty long but then you know I was offered it I had the contract for a couple like maybe a month later Mm. and then it just meant I could you know relax and that was completely put to one side for the rest of uni it was like I know where I'm going next I just need to get the grades
0: yeah exactly that's great and then he started
1: yes then I started so but I started and kind of expected you know I'll be given an excel file with loads of data and I'll analyze it interpret it and they were like so you're gonna write some code which will get the data and I was like I'm I'm sorry I'm doing what now (laughs) Um, there's a lot of on-the-job training um I would say I hated the first two months right um so it's learning to code Yes, we were learning two different languages. Right. Um, and some of the stuff was the same in them and some of it was very different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But also, so one of them was SQL, which is super common, and one was SAS, which is way less common now. Mm-hmm. Um, but in SQL, particularly, there's like four or five different ways you can do anything. Yeah. So it would be like you'd ask one person and they would tell you. So you think, OK, I've got that. But then you'd look at somebody else's script, and they've done it completely different okay so in my head I panicked and was like I must have done it wrong oh my gosh it's my fault I'm awful mm. um and I a few people on the-
0: scenario
1: again <laughs> <laughs> yeah and a few people on those schemes had done similar things on their placement year so they mm. knew what they were doing
0: right um
1: and I'm very much like I learn on the go and I need a lot of examples like mm. I always say this and I'm always brutally honest in interviews like I'm keen to learn but I'm a little bit of a slow learner like I don't think I'm super slow, but it, it takes me a little bit before it clicks. Mm. So I was just so behind everybody else that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've got through. It's a fluke. Maybe I'm just really good at interviews. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this." And the more you yeah. tell yourself that, the more believe. you believe it, the worse mm. it is. And I remember one night, it was like late October. I'd had an awful day. Um, I'd had to stay really late because I kept doing it wrong, and I just couldn't get it right. I'd eventually got home, I walked through the door and my housemate was there like with a glass of wine for me. I'd brought my laptop back. I was like talking her through it. I was like, and I just need to finish this bit. And then I like threw everything down on my bed, sat down on my bed with my laptop and the bed collapsed. And like (laughs) went straight through it and I was sat on the floor and my housemate looked at me and she burst out (laughs) laughing. And then obviously I did. She was like, I just knew that I had to laugh or you would sit and cry. And I didn't day
0: worse
1: um <laughs> but you know I I did have a really really good manager um he was very supportive and actually he was one of those um that he had moved up through the ranks like he'd started mm. as an analyst so he understood everything I was doing so yeah when I finally admitted to him that I was really struggling and I felt like I couldn't do it he would sit down with me all the time and go through my code and be like you've just missed a comma here or you've misspelt this Mm. and you really helped me be like just tiny little things
0: things.
1: yeah and also you're never going to get it right the first time nobody does but you Mm. only see everybody when they do it right so you think that they're amazing straight away and I mean some people are like I've met some people that are incredibly smart I can't even understand how (laughs) um but you know it was really good so I did two rotations there the first one was um, CRM analysis. So okay. what's that, customer relationship marketing? Management,
0: isn't
1: it? Management. Oh, it's one of them, you're, <laughs> like, yeah, CRM, and you're like, wait, what does that actually stand for? <laughs> so kind of marketing. <laughs> kind yeah, of. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Slightly. I mostly worked with marketing, so it okay. kind of counts. Um, and it was very much like looking at campaigns and understanding, you know, this kind of campaign works really well with these kinds of customers but you know these customers have a really low response rate so let's not target them let's focus on the ones that works better on Mm -hmm. and actually let's personalize it let's test like if we send it you know for a location they've been before or that's really Mm -hmm. similar to one they've been to before how do they respond and how do we make it a more personalized experience for that customer Mm -hmm. Um, so that was super super interesting learning a lot more about kind of what businesses do and what they can do with analytics Mm -hmm. um but also learning kind of the techniques to do a campaign analysis. Yeah. Um, which has definitely helped me in my my um, many, many other jobs.
0: <laughs> I think um, it's just so good. You can it well, not like not just that as an insights analyst, you are providing those recommendations as well to make it better. And you work really collaboratively with stakeholders so that you know that the analysis you're doing, it's not just hopefully go into like a black hole, it's actually being used <laughs> yeah. and for the better. And the best thing about analysis is that you suggest something and then you track it later to see what's happened. So you actually know maybe what the impact of your recommendations has been, which is I think quite a nice yeah. part of it.
1: It's exactly that. And I think part of analytics, and I would say, you know, through interviewing and applying for roles more recently, I've seen a yeah. shift towards this a lot more that they're looking for people that act as that link between the business and explain Mm. not just here's a report here's a bit of data it's okay I'll book in some time with you I'll send it to you but we'll talk through it and I'll explain kind of a bit more what this means and why I've included this extra thing and what as you say it's that recommendation that it's kind of that that rule that's like tell them what you're going to tell them tell them and then tell them what you've told them and it is that thing that sometimes you know, I look at it and it's like, oh, this works really well with customers who travel for leisure. And it, it's kind of in my head, I'm like, okay, well, then, you know, they can work out off the back of that. Like, let's target more leisure customers and mm-hmm. let's not bother with the ones. But actually, sometimes some stakeholders are just like, okay. And
0: mm-hmm. they're not,
1: because they're not necessarily looking for that recommendation because mm-hmm. it, you know, it's their job. They've always done what they think they should do. It's kind of that advising someone without, being patronizing mm. or being like, you can do this, you know, it, it's kind of making suggestions. So it, it's a big, it's a very technical role, but it really helps if you're a people person.
0: Yeah. I think that's um, one of the reasons you've done so well is that you do collaborate with so many people, you communicate with so many people, which, you know, not everyone does naturally. Sometimes they need a bit of learning in that area.
1: Yeah. It's, I've always been. I mean, it's, it's hard to get me to shut up, but <laughs> I've always been quite chatty. And I, I think there are, you know, if you want to group analysts into two buckets, you often have super, super technical, a bit shy, don't necessarily know how to communicate to the business in the sense that they maybe go into a bit too much detail or be like, oh, so I selected this group of customers using this and I did this. When actually, most stakeholders don't really care. They might ask a question at the end, you know. If you had a control group that you want to test about, how can you make sure it's, you know, a control group that you can actually Mm. use? You say, well, we checked it against the demographic and their gender and their age and everything about Mm. them is as similar as we can get. So the only thing that's different is, you know, this group of customers received a campaign, your control customers didn't. So Mm. we attribute it to that. Um, And it's knowing kind of, you have some stakeholders who absolutely want to know all the granular stuff. Yeah. And they're amazing, but also sometimes the worst because they ask so many questions. You're like, <laughs>
0: Wait, did I do this wrong? Like, should I have done that instead? And also just trying to remind them actually of the recommendation rather than yeah. the methodology of <laughs> exactly. all of it as well. Take exactly. Um,
1: but yeah, that was really, really good. It was a steep learning curve.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: was, I think it was a nine month placement, which I think was a good amount of time because in the first three months you're kind of settled into the company your routine you know Mm. what you're meant to be doing and then three the next three months I would say is where you really get stuck into the nitty-gritty of it and after those three months you're probably like I know what I'm doing technically so then you have Mm. the last three months to be like I'm so amazing look at all this code I'm writing (laughs) stuff I'm doing showcasing your new skills yeah um and then I rotated into product analytics Mm -hmm. which was completely different Mm -hmm. But it was really good in terms of learning because it's you're applying the exact same skills and you can see how easily transferable they are.
0: Mm.
1: It actually, okay, you're still writing code. You're maybe looking at different tables and applying different conditions, but it's the same kind of structure. So Mm. you kind of feel like you've got a bit of a head start and your confidence builds there. Um, So I guess that was kind of like retail kind of experience. Yeah. I worked on quite a high profile project so in this role I was exposed to a lot of senior stakeholders Mm -hmm. um, which at the start obviously I was super nervous but then I think having that experience so early on in my career um, I mean in my last role within I don't know the first month um, I was asked to go and present to the exact board, like including mm. the CEO. And I was just like, yeah, no worries, guys. I've got this. Um, <laughs> Practice, isn't it? Exactly. It's exactly that. And I think, you know, people who are senior, they are people. Like they're very, very good at what they do. But I think, you know, and I can't really speak on their behalf because I'm not one, but I think they probably prefer people that just speak to them like they're a normal person rather mm. than, you know, trying to be super positive and you know, just say what they want to hear. Like if you're working for somebody and actually things aren't going well in the business, they're probably going to respect you more if you tell them like, I'm sorry, Mm. it's not a positive story, but actually this is going wrong, but I've looked into why and this is what I think we should do. Mm.
0: I I remember that senior stakeholder as well from when you're working on that high profile project and they in particular were very direct and straight talking as a person as well. So I think they really appreciated that style, which, you know, you dial up, you dial down for others, but That fear of seniority is a really great thing to go over. And it's something that I get really nervous before I present to um, senior stakeholders. But it's also one of the things that I find most rewarding in my work and actually really motivates me. So um, I recently got a mentor and they've been trying to help me to. Increase my gravitas. So, I've listened to the audiobook Gravitas that she recommended. And that was all about almost <laughs> kind of faking it till you make it a little bit and just kind of making sure that your personality comes through. And so, being really natural, being yourself, remembering that they're people is such an important thing to remember. Uh, sometimes quite hard in the moment when, especially if you have a difficult message to um, yeah. tell them, but it's also what will make you more memorable to them which is a good, absolutely a good
1: thing yeah as long as you do a good job yeah <laughs> but with that stakeholder I remember I had misquoted a number
0: mm.
1: I'd essentially thought that I'd left a filter on a number and I hadn't mm. and I'd reported it and it meant for the first time we'd hit the target although this number that I'd reported was wrong right and as soon as I realized I sent out an email to everybody you know everybody that had been in that meeting that mm. I'd told and i think i don't know why i thought to do this because i would not really i mean I, I you know i make mistakes all the time but not one that was kind of of that gravity mm. um i sent an email explaining that number was wrong this is the correct number this yeah. is how it happened and these are the steps i've taken to make sure it doesn't happen again mm, that's just step at the end yeah and it's yeah. like if somebody wants to shout at me for it that's fine you know i get it it's annoying and if you've misquoted it somewhere else you now have to go and tell them but I've given you the explanation. You can just forward Mm. it. No one will think it's your fault. But also because I've told you how I'm going to stop it happening again. it's Kind of like you can't be too mad at me because I've got something (laughs) to say. You know, I've learned from it that, you know, this person is going to double check it for me. I'm going to send it through or I'm going to check it against. I have pulled it from the database, but I know somebody else has run an automated script that pulls it. So I'm just going to check it against that. Like, you know, and that stakeholder was great about it. Mm. You know, they call me up and they're like, "It's kind of annoying, but thanks." I, and also, I appreciate your honesty. I think mm. I've been—I'm bad at taking credit, but I'm very, very good at, at admitting that I've messed up and being like, "It's completely <laughs> my fault. I'm so sorry." <laughs> um, but sometimes that's a good thing. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. yeah.
1: So I was there for that rotation. Should have been nine months. I think I left after maybe
0: seven months. Mm. Um. So what were some of the, before you kind of move on to where you went next, what were some of the driving factors that um, led to you changing or maybe we can come to that at the end a bit because I find it so interesting that I think a lot of people if maybe they're not enjoying it especially what they're doing and or maybe they just don't feel like it's right at that time they might sit on it for a few months and maybe say okay you know it's just like a it might get better but I've noticed like with you if it is bad then you're like okay I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a change um which is so proactive and also has been to your benefit over the years as well so I think it's quite interesting because not everyone will do that
1: yeah it, it really is I definitely I have friends that I speak to who I ask how work's going and they're very like oh it's okay you know same old I'm kind of thinking about leaving and I say you know have you looked anywhere and they say no not yet and I think been having the same conversation for six months and that, mm. that's just not the way i work like yeah. small decisions what to make for tea i can deliberate for hours but <laughs> huge life-changing decisions like give me an hour and i'll know um yeah. but i think and what i've done in every role that i've left um but particularly this one was i was a grad and i was i was still learning i was working on something huge the demand was crazy And I'm very vocal, especially when it comes to things that are not wrong, but things that aren't working.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And I essentially went to my management and I said, somebody else needs to help support me on this. Um, Because I'm still learning and some of these tools I'm using are brand new to me. Mm. It might take me four hours, but it would take somebody else an hour. Mm. Can somebody else want it even, you know, part of their time? And it just wasn't possible because everybody was so super busy. Mm. Um, so I was like, right, okay, this isn't really working, but I'm gonna stick it out. But what I quickly realized was I was using the same three tables of data every single day. Mm. So after I'd started to learn how to use those tools, I was then doing the same thing pretty much in and out every day, changing the condition here and there, yeah. but I wasn't learning anything new. And yeah. that was the case for a couple of months And I thought, you know, if I'm super stressed all the time, I'm feeling overworked. Okay, I I was very appreciated, like, I cannot fault anyone that I worked Mm. for, everybody was grateful. And I got all the credit, which was, you know, Mm. that's nice for anybody. (laughs) Um, But I just didn't feel like I was progressing anymore. I think I was progressing the interpersonal stuff, the managing the relationships and stakeholders and expectations, but technically, I wasn't getting any better and that was where Mm. I felt like I fell down um so I'd gone through a recruiter I was kind of thinking I'm not super far into it you know I don't have that much experience I don't think anything but I might as well have a look Mm. and then I did get something um and when I told my line manager um we were both super sad but she said I don't blame you like I knew you were unhappy You know, and I I think that's why it was so easy for me to leave because I'd said, Here are the problems. Here's what we can do to fix them. But, you know, it was beyond my management's control. They couldn't Mm. do anything about it. So it wasn't like out of the blue. I was just like, I'm leaving. It was, well, nothing's changed. So, you know, I can't go. Um, And this is going to make me sound like such a show off. But when I was leaving, um, my manager offered me like a role off the grad scheme and with a pay rise Mm. but I also had two other teams their managers Mm. approached me and asked me if I wanted to go to their teams so good um which actually looking back yeah at the time I was just like oh whatever they just want more manpower like they wouldn't care who it is it's just easier (laughs) than recruiting but actually I think they wouldn't have asked me to be in the team if they didn't think I could do the job so exactly that was at least nice and I remember my manager at the time we had a one-to-one just before I left and well it was my not my line manager kind of above mm. her and he was so sweet he gave me loads of advice um recommended some books for me and mm. I just thought you know what I've left I think at the right time because I've not burned any bridges whereas if I'd have stayed longer I think my attitude would have been pretty bad and mm. I may well have ended up burning those bridges so
0: I think does that answer it the quick decision yeah it does me definitely maybe <laughs> It does. So let's move on to your next one. So tell us a little bit about that and then onwards from there. Yes.
1: So that was an interesting one. Um, it was a role working for a loyalty company.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it was amazing in that it's super, super rich data because I think, you know, when we worked at the airline, you had known customers and unknown customers, and yeah. then your loyalty customers. And with those, you can just see so much more, you you know, you have more data points, you can see what customers do over time, do they return to brands? Do they, you know, when they switch, because of a promotion, do they then stay with that brand or go back to theirs? Or Mm. do they only buy a product when it's on promotion, regardless of the brand? So you can really group your customers really well. And that means you can personalize the journey for them. And Mm. you know, it's better for the company, but it's also better for the customer, you don't want to be receiving vouchers for something that you would never ever buy you know that's annoying Mm. so that one was it was good and I don't regret going there Mm. I think pretty soon I realized I was gonna get pigeonholed again just doing marketing um all the time which I think is fine if you have had more experience I'd only had Mm. what like less than 18 months experience
0: yeah
1: um but then I think maybe three days after I passed probation I actually handed my notice in um but that one I always say it wasn't my fault um (laughs) that one was with politics around companies buying companies and changing contracts and that kind of thing Oh, I remember yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I think I probably would have stayed for longer but equally I don't think I would have stayed super long term just because of that kind of being a bit pigeonhole maybe I would have been amazing as a marketing analyst but I wasn't really sure it was the I hadn't done enough other things to know it was what I mm-hmm. wanted to do so then I moved again um <laughs> to a telecoms company
0: mm-hmm.
1: so did they uh, did
0: you approach apply to them or did they get in touch yes. with you <laughs> um a guy that I'd
1: gone to school with came up on one of my dating apps
0: oh yeah yeah <laughs> I had forgotten about this I
1: matched with him we'd always been like fairly good friends we'd stayed in touch and I dropped him a message like no way what are you doing down here um chatting and he actually worked in HR for this telecoms company and so when all this stuff was going on with the contracts at the place I was still working I was asking Mm. him about it and kind of said you know what's your advice and he said We've got a role going here. Um, It's a senior role. This was on a Thursday.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. morning and mm-hmm. he said
1: but the closing date is tomorrow as right. in there will be a hiring freeze as of Saturday
0: right. well end
1: of the Friday um he was like so let me speak to my friend who is the recruiter for it and we'll see if we can get you an interview with the hiring manager this afternoon and I was like yeah okay fine no worries it means I don't have time to sit and stress so mm-hmm. whatever so we did that and then they asked me if I could go in for an interview the following morning and I would have to answer um, like a bit of a case study. Mm-hmm. Um, I think normally they, you have to do two case studies, but they said, you know, we'll only ask you to do one. So I walked there the next morning um, and I had the interview. And again, it, you know, they kind of said to me, are you sure you don't mind coming in so quickly and I said well I'm going to tell you that I work to tight deadlines and that I work well under pressure so it's kind of a good way to prove that to you I can't (laughs) say that and say no sorry it's not enough time so Mm. um, I went in and the interviewers were both really 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 nice um, really knew what they were talking about Mm. and apparently one of them didn't know that I'd only been told the night before so then he was surprised when I didn't have a second you know question prepared Uh, And then they, you know, they kind of spoke afterwards and he said, why didn't she have another question? And they said, oh, well, you know, she only found out last night that she was gonna come in. Mm. And he said, well, if that's what she can do in a day, you know, imagine, <laughs> and they offered me the role. Mm. And I think it, it was one of those because I'd gone from graduate analyst to analyst and then this was senior insights analyst. I was like, mm. there's no way I'm ever gonna get it because I've been doing this job, what, less than two years. I'm not gonna mm. you know, give me that title. Um, they did but then the interesting thing that I found out was when people came off the graduate scheme they went straight to senior uh, okay. which sounds great but once you've been senior the equivalent of that role might actually not have the senior in front of it another company but then you might be reluctant to move because it looks you know on your LinkedIn and on your CV that yeah. you've kind of gone down a step so I kind of resented a little bit that I had senior there so early because I was still learning so much mm. um but anyway so I started there mm-hmm. and it was very very different to anything I'd done before um it was product usage so again you, you have that really rich you can see the customer you you might not know who they are there's nothing mm. to identify anything about them but you know that they did this thing on this day and then they did this thing. And then hang mm. on a minute, that behavior changed completely. Um, and it, yeah, it was something completely different. And I really, really loved that role. Mm. Um, we worked in a small team. One of the guys who was the principal analyst had been there years. And I've never met anyone that can interpret data like him. <laughs> he, he would get charts up and he'd be like, yeah, so it means this and this and also this. And I think you literally glanced at that for 10 seconds. How do you know that? (laughs) Um, But then, you know, he would teach me a lot about that. So Mm -hmm. I definitely learned a lot there. Again, you know, that was a lot of talking to stakeholders, but the technical stuff was quite difficult sometimes. And you had to really think, you know, we would have some data that would show that somebody used a product between this time and this time and that was kind of how all the data was in there but then we wanted to understand on a minute by minute basis how many customers were you know using that product and that was to check that you know the servers and whatever stuff that is way beyond my kind mm-hmm. of understanding were capable of holding that and they weren't going to break so yeah. there was kind of the service element as well which was i'd never really delved into that before mm. so that was um that was really really good um And I stayed there for about, I think I was there for 18 months, Hmm. which
0: I think is the longest job I've ever had. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So uh, I guess that means it was good until, (laughs) until it wasn't. Um, No, and
1: it's not that it wasn't, but I kind of got in that rut again, because I was looking at one particular kind of product. I then had become a bit stuck in that and again I was using the same data in and out and I think between us as a team we've done so much of the analysis that people were often asking for similar things so rather than starting something brand new it was oh I'll just tweak something here and there and I think ultimately there there had been a few restructures um, and there was another team brought in who were a delivery team, which mm. on the face of it sounded great like you help us prioritize, you help us land the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, the person who was working kind of on my area, they very much put themselves between me and the business rather mm. than working with all of us. So, what ended up happening was I wouldn't be invited to those meetings or I wouldn't be there at the original request the delivery manager would kind of agree that it the work would be done mm. and agree to a deadline. It would come to me and I say, oh, but actually, you know, this data is going back to 2016 and I can't use the aggregated stuff because there was an issue. So it's going to take me days to run this. Mm. But it had already been promised to the stakeholder that they would have it the next day. And it, it just yeah. it made things a bit more complicated. And I think it was a classic, a bunch of teams coming together that had butted heads a, a few times, mm. and then I think also what didn't help um, was when I started, we were under marketing. Then we got moved into tech. Then we got moved to finance. Then we moved back to tech. The business didn't really know what to do with us, and the, mm. you know, it's a lot of disruption. You don't really feel like can you belong or like any department wants you. Yeah.
0: Um, I sound like really negative about this place. It was great, mm. but. Well, ultimately, these are some of the things that led to you looking elsewhere.
1: Yeah, so.
0: absolutely. Um, and interestingly, this company, they
1: were based down south, but also mm-hmm. they had offices up north, which is where I'm originally from. Mm-hmm. So I then transitioned so I could move back up north into spending half my time down south and half my time in the north, split across the offices, which actually I loved because I got mm-hmm. the best of both worlds. And I sat with two different teams in two different offices, so I understood more about the data and more about, you know, what the teams were doing. Um, but it's a shame, I think, the politics got too much there. I think in every job there's going to be something... I mean, nothing is perfect, mm. but it, it's sort of what stress can you deal with? Yeah. And the political stuff, for me, with it was a bit too much. Yeah. Um, so... I was looking I'd applied for a few roles spoke to a few recruiters but I wasn't in that state where I was desperate to leave and I would have taken anything it was mm-hmm. kind of I want if the right thing comes up yes I will want to move
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and then somebody that I had worked with at this company had moved to a retailer up north mm-hmm. and had asked me if I would like to apply for a role in his team yeah And I did, and I ended up getting (laughs) that role. But this role was quite, I say different. It is and it isn't. So this Mm. was my first business intelligence engineer role, which at the moment I'm a business intelligence developer. It's
0: exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, So what's the difference between kind of just as define the difference between insights analysts and like business intelligence side?
1: Well, annoyingly, it depends where you work right um <laughs> so the one that i moved to um there it was very much if you're the business intelligence team you build the automated reports okay. and if you're an insights analyst you do the ad hoc questions and as soon as you get something that you're asked every week or every month you hand that over to the business intelligence team because when you're doing your ad hoc stuff you could write a query um and it's not super efficient so it's really like resource intensive i've definitely nearly crashed servers in most of my jobs <laughs> by doing something daft and having a million rows in one table a million in another and accidentally trying to it's essentially we join the tables and it's essentially mm. kind of doing a lock up on every single row against every single row so you get like <laughs> a million times a million rows yeah that was definitely wrong but sometimes mm-hmm. you do things just because it's the quickest way you can think of to get an answer out and it's fine because you do it once and that's that and it was still Mm. right but the business intelligence role um well the way I see it is a lot more let's build something that won't crash the server it you know it's really quick to run it's efficient but it's right and it can refresh in the morning and it will show all the stakeholders exactly what they need at Mm. the start of the day so at this point I was kind of thinking hang on I've quite a few jobs now maybe it's the role that's not right for me rather Mm -hmm. than it you know and you know it's all very much that was my perspective on why things weren't working it might have been that what I was hoping would happen and would be the right way to work was completely wrong and that's why it wasn't done um but I started to think yeah maybe it's the role and if I want to try anything else I want to do it now before you know if I work any further up the ladder and then I want Mm -hmm. to switch to something else I'll have to move down that ladder and maybe take a pay cut or you know whatever Although, you know, interestingly, I would always say that money isn't my motivator. So Mm. analyst role that I took off my after my graduate scheme, I took a pretty big pay cut for that. Mm. Um, But I was just, you know, I I want to be happier in my role and feel like I'm adding more value. Yeah. Um, So I thought I'd give this a try. And the company was great. Super, super friendly but we were a new data team. Mm. And what had happened was they had used a third party for all their data and analysis and reporting. They were bringing it all in-house. So when I joined, they were still building the data warehouse and getting it all into the company. But I was meant to be building reports off the back of that. And, and you know, you speak mm. to anybody who's a data analyst or not a data person, and you mm. say, I was trying to build something or something that didn't exist
0: right <laughs> that, that was kind of crazy right? objective for the year
1: <laughs> yeah I think it was a well-known thing in that company that the reporting team were brought into early um it was a huge huge project it was very ambitious and it got delayed a few times mm. so you know it was kind of you'll have the data in july oh now it's going to be november now it's going to be January, yeah. now it's going to be March and it was just you know the goalposts were always being moved and I think I had built and published six reports in 12 months yeah. which okay some of them have gone to like 20-30 suppliers each and that's you know great mm-hmm. but that for me producing the equivalent of one piece of work every two months mm-hmm. that's not productive, I wasn't satisfied and also I kind of thought the business isn't getting their money's worth out of me mm. but again I, I was just I wasn't feeling like I was progressing there mm. I think I'd just gone too far past it and I was in such a negative headspace mm. about my job and you know I just thought it, it's also one of them if I'd have said I was leaving and then I decided to stay whenever I'd had a bad day I would mm. always think I wish I'd left yeah and I, I think you know you just you've got to go for it
0: yeah so in uh, one of the other podcasts we've recorded um Stuart Tarn he says um, make sure that you regret the things you've done not the things that you didn't do and I think that's essentially what you've just said but
1: yeah I think if an opportunity arises and you you can't see a huge risk associated with it go for it and you know I again I was looking at that retailer they they've said to me you know if it all goes wrong and you hate it, Come back. Like, Mm. you know, providing there's a role. Um the door
0: open for you. Yeah.
1: Exactly, which is super nice. Um, but I think what happened there is what had happened at some of the other companies where I'd said, I'm unhappy, can we try and fix these things? Nothing happens. And then as soon as you hand in your notice, there's Mm. kind of a let's fix it. Mm. And, And that doesn't sit so well with me that it feels like almost I have to threaten something drastic for it to
0: change. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that's pretty common.
1: Yeah, and and I, I get it. It's like, you know, she's asked for these things to change, but we can't really do anything about it. But then it's, oh, hang on. You know, we were a small team as well. I was my manager and then three of us mm-hmm. under him. You know, you've lost a third of your resource. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. So actually, I was really, really torn. And actually, this was the one that was hardest... For me to leave, I think, and I genuinely had to go away and think for a weekend. And for a weekend, I kind of had to say to everybody, "Please don't ask me about it because I just can't process it right now. Yeah. It, it's too much. I'm too torn."
0: Yeah.
1: And then I went in on the Monday, and I just thought, "No, I need. I need to go." And I think part of it as well was I really enjoyed my interview for the company I'm at now. <laughs> um, It was, you know, the things we were talking about, we were excited um, Mm. and they seemed to have a lot of stuff going on. They were a bit more embedded in the company. They had a warehouse full of data and it was just, you know, they'd already overcome a lot of the problems that I was facing. Mm. So I think with my previous role, if I'd have joined now, I would have stayed for a long time. But this business Mm. and now kind of at the same point it's just a timing thing really maybe if I had more patience I would have stayed longer but
0: we're on a video chat and I can see you just beaming um based on your last week um but it's definitely interesting to hear your decision making and how you've made all of those um changes of your career and then the fact that one of the main triggers for you was I wasn't learning anything or I wasn't learning lots new anymore and so it was time to go. And I think that's a great, ask you to have to be quite action oriented around it. So, and I mean, looking back, do you feel like? I think luckily mm.
1: most of my roles I've been on four weeks notice. Yeah. So, you know, that that's quite good in a sense. You know, you say you're leaving, you have four weeks to get everything together, wrap up and hand over that mm. you don't really think about, oh, this is a drag or think about leaving sooner. Mm. I think maybe my last role, I should have left sooner. But I, I also think we were in lockdown, I joined that role in lockdown, I live by myself. I'm I mean, I'm very good at my own company. But I think what I struggled with was, I wake up and I log on, and I feel like I've added no value, and I've not done anything of meaning. Mm. And then there's nothing to do in the evenings, because I can't go out and see people. And I can't go swimming. And Mm. I can't, go to the pub I got all I could do is go for a a a walk it's that kind of thing if I'd have been going into the office every day there would be more of in that downtime you're hearing what other people are doing you're talking to your stakeholders face to face I Mm. mean I could go for weeks on end and the only meetings I have was my daily stand-ups with my team
0: Mm. and Mm. then
1: on the days when I don't call anybody they're the only words that come out of my mouth apart from like talking to myself around the flat and I think, you know, that definitely contributed to me feeling like I was stuck in a rut. I think, you you know me as well, even when it, it came comes to, you know, moving house, I decided that I wanted to sell my flat. I wanted mm-hmm. to move. Cause, and within a week, it was on the market. Mm-hmm. Within another week, I'd sold it and had an offer accepted on a flat, which fell through <laughs> and then I fell through. But yeah. again, it's those big decisions. I'm quick, just quick. like
0: yeah if it feels good ah, uh, let's go for it yeah, why not exactly so then looking back over the past few years I got two questions about them so number one what was the best thing and I'm going to take out moving to this current job if just in case that would be your best thing just to just to take that out of the equation and then secondly what has been maybe the most difficult thing the hardest thing that you had to do or maybe that you found the hardest during your time working?
1: Best thing. So for me, we, we, we're sometimes given a question, we're sometimes not. We're sometimes just mm-hmm. asked, can you build something that looks into this? Um, but essentially we always start with a data warehouse that has millions of rows of data. And you, you kind of look at it and it's immediately not helpful. Mm. um you'll have a row say it's a transaction record it'll have a transaction key a customer key which will be a number an item key which might also be a number and a store (laughs) reference or or whatever Mm. and everything it doesn't mean anything Mm. but kind of as you poke around in the data um and the way that most warehouses are built is you have what are called fact tables and then dimension tables so your fact tables are like transactions a dimension would tell you what is in there so you know I alluded to having an item reference mm. you would then have a dimension table for items that will have the reference which will match up so you could do essentially like a join
0: or kind of a be look so you know that this item is a particular I don't know shoe or
1: yeah something it like will that. tell
0: you <laughs> you know the name of it it
1: could be the size of it the brand it is the category the price mm. when it was first you know stocked um is it still in active rotation like is it for sale where do we sell it all that Mm. kind of stuff so then you know as soon as you've joined on your transactions to that information about the item you can suddenly produce something that cuts the data and allows the user to look at you know over time how is this category performing this brand Mm. this item in particular or items that are this color or this size (laughs) in this location with these customers and you know it kind of grows but then you load that into some kind of visualization tool. So we use tools like Tableau or Power BI. Yeah. I feel like that was a really long answer. But it, it's basically taking it from one table that you're looking at that seems meaningless to actually speaking to the business and saying, I recommend that you do this thing and yeah. working with them to be like, okay, but how should we do it? Or, you know, they might turn around and say, well, actually, we've tried that before and it didn't work. So yeah. is there anything else? But mm. it's just really kind of owning that whole thing it's not oh I get somebody to do the coding for me and then I do this bit and then somebody else yeah. talks to the
0: business you get you get to do everything so it's super varied every day yeah that's brilliant that I mean I agree for me variety is so important as well and yeah. you're able to from something that's totally meaningless drive something that has meaning adds value to the business so I can see why that would be rewarding
1: yeah it's exactly that you see Campaign live,
0: Mm.
1: and you're like, guys, I helped with that. I pulled the (laughs) date, I did this little bit of it. It's just
0: Mm.
1: whatever area it is you're working at, you can see the difference you're making. And I think data often, you know, and I found this when the data team was moved around a lot at one of the companies, no one knew where to put us. You feel so removed from the business. Kind of, I think, the way people see it as well, Mm. very separate. So it's having that inclusion and being like,
0: yeah, we collaborated on that. It was great. Yeah. And then is that also the hardest thing? So taking that massive table and doing it or is it something else? I
1: actually think the most difficult thing is with the data, if you don't know how to do something, there is so much documentation, so many tutorials online and books. Mm. As long as you know what to Google, like how do I join (laughs) this today? Is there a function that does this? You can find it or, you know, everywhere we have data engineers. So the ones that actually pull the data in Mm. and they are your absolute gurus and they're, you know, super, super friendly and always super helpful. I think some of the hardest things that I've had to do is transforming the way that the business see you. So some teams just do not want to know. Mm. And I get it. You've been in a role for years. You know, there's a new team to the business, and they're kind of saying to you, Let me tell you how to do your job. Let me tell you what decisions you should be making. Mm. And it's very much, obviously, I'm not, I'm never going to go to somebody and say that. Yeah. It's very much the way you phrase it. But I think for some people as well, I think maths in particular maths is associated with data and okay I did maths at uni but you do not have to have done so many people in data have not done maths yeah as long as you can think logistically you know I think people think data they think maths and they think I hate maths I don't want to do it Mm. and it's kind of talking to people and being like but actually you can like not being like I've done the hard work for you but like all mm. the difficult transforming and the horrible super number crunchy bit is done. Look, I've made you this pretty chart and I've labeled the numbers and we can talk yeah. through it together to understand it. But sometimes there's a lot of resistance. Mm. I think it, a lot of businesses now, especially when I'm looking at job specs, say, you know, we want to use data to become a data driven company. But a lot of people don't want that. And people, you know, it's natural, you go off your gut instinct, and sometimes you still do, or sometimes it's a combination of the two, but it's really hard if somebody's asked you to do a piece of work, and they're expecting the results to be one thing that backs up an initiative that they want to do, Mm. and you have to be the bearer of bad news and say, actually, it looks like you shouldn't do that, yeah, you know, it's difficult, so I think it's very difficult around the attitudes in data sometimes, but I completely get it from both Mm. sides, You know, to overcome that, a lot of it is, oh, we worked with this team and we showed them this and then we did this off the back of it and look, it was great. And they did this and
0: people like that a lot more. Building the trust. Yeah, exactly. And then I've got two more questions. So the first one would be, what do you want or what do you think that the future holds for you? And that could be the next six months, that could be five years. It could be, you know, if you want 40 years to now, it's up to you to choose (laughs) what the future is for you. I think and a lot of this has come from being in the
1: role I've just started and so we're a small team at the moment and one of the guys who was my buddy he is amazing he's been in the business for a while Mm. he knows everything there is to know about how the company operates and what the data means but he's super new to analytics and data and writing code so actually there's a nice balance of both of us asking each other's questions Mm. but I've always thought of myself as not a very technical analyst but actually when I'm working with him I'm like Oh, I know the answers. Like I'm actually quite good. I know what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. and it's probably the first time in what almost five years since I've you know been doing data roles Mm. that I felt like I'm good at this, and this is what I want to carry on doing. Like, what a great! I know. (laughs) I know. Finally, it's only taken me five years of doing it. (laughs) Um, but you know, even this week, I feel like I'm adding value and I'm doing a good job and people trust me I'm kind of saying to them oh can you check it and they're like oh yeah I looked over it like it all looked fine and I'm like oh my gosh it wasn't real with mistakes so I definitely still want to be in data Mm -hmm. um I think I want to carry on doing what I'm doing I think kind of when you're at this level which I would say I'm kind of like Mm mid-level um it it tends to be you either get super super technical and specialised or you go down the management route right okay and I've always struggled with knowing which of those I've wanted to do and thought technical probably isn't for me I now think more so it could be Mm. but when I think about you know you asked me about the best parts and I say it's the whole process if I had to nail down a part of that process it's kind of the second half of it it's not the sitting and writing the code like yeah it's super satisfying but I prefer the, the speaking to people mm. and you know, understanding what it means yeah but you know I've I've never like officially managed anybody I've kind of been mentors and I coach people and I tutored maths when I was at college mm. and when I was at university and it, it makes me think maybe maybe I'll go down the management route I, I kind of start to feel like I could do it I think I'm leaning more towards management but it's a shame you can't I do think, both maybe you could curate yeah, a hybrid role yeah I think you know it's tricky because I'm not I think in terms of time it perhaps wouldn't work I think you can have people you know who would be like a principal analyst and maybe manage one person or maybe right. two mm-hmm. but I think more and it's then you're the subject matter expert, you're going to be asked questions, and you need to do a lot of intense coding, but you've got people asking you questions, and you need to sort out, you Mm -hmm. know, all the admin stuff, Um, but I I think, yeah, very, you can tell I don't really know, but I'm Mm -hmm. more open to I'll still be doing this, not I want to do something wildly different, which the first time I think I would say ever that
0: I felt like this so it's quite a nice feeling that's great that's so exciting for your future whatever that may be so my final question today is if someone was maybe to aspire to being in data or wanted to get into data or do something maybe similar to your career trajectory and what you have done over the past years what advice would you give them
1: mm-hmm well if that person was me and they were similar to me it would be don't beat yourself up when you get it wrong um I think with the technical stuff you know I alluded to earlier there are so many different ways to do everything Mm. um and when you go to a new company they you know the, the language is ever so slightly different when you're writing your code and it's so easy to get really bogged down and be like I'm so rubbish I can't do this yeah and it's I think the main kind of advice would be ask other people for help because they've probably come up with the same they probably come with like with the same problem themselves mm. and I think my problem has always been I don't want to ask people because they'll think I'm stupid and that I shouldn't have got the job which nobody thinks like that because
0: no. that's horrible I, I, think, I, I think, think I would say I- just agree with you completely like if I was giving you like advice I mean I feel like I have said this as advice (laughs) to you over the years like no that's not true you're doing amazing like don't beat yourself up definitely it's it's good and I think I was listening the other day to a podcast actually (laughs) because I always listen to podcasts and (laughs) um they were talking about the difference between I think it may have been also in an article which I read before the podcast but it was talking about imposter syndrome and people talk about imposter syndrome and this article is essentially saying no it's not that it's just doubt and people have a lot of self-doubt a lot of the time and yes there are there are people with imposter syndrome of course but that doesn't mean that everyone has it and what you're feeling might just be doubt um which i thought was an interesting view and one that i haven't really heard much of recently yeah um and i mean impossible everyone knows what it is everyone talks about it but doubt is you know it's like the original um (laughs) and everyone has doubts no matter what facet of life it is exactly Uh, i think i like
1: i found it because i've worked in like data and quite technical teams i am the least techie tech person you'd ever meet Honestly, no, in one of my roles I was given a Mac and I was like, I I don't know what I'm doing with this. I need, like, Windows 98 back. (laughs) 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 Thank you for having me. It's techie. But then I think a lot of the people who end up in tech and who are in, you know, my teams, Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, I can't believe I've not mentioned this, it's mostly men. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a huge gender imbalance. And it's interesting speaking to managers and, you know, recruiters they say it's because the women don't apply because they don't know that it... A lot of people don't know it's a role. I think maybe more so Mm -hmm. nowadays, but they don't know it's something they can do. And also there's... And I think some places maybe you do have to have experience or have done a STEM subject, but that's kind of the root cause of the problem that there aren't that many Mm. women that do STEM subjects. Obviously, it's changing a little bit now, but I think that compiled with, you know, obviously now that everything is virtual and mm. um, all the teams on on teams um mm-hmm. the, the things they're talking about are like all these online games and all the spec of their computers and these things that they're building yeah. and i've often sat there and thought i don't have a clue what you're talking about i honestly mm-hmm. don't understand but everybody else is interested in it and you, you feel like you're the one person that isn't so then you you know as you say it is more doubt like do mm-hmm. i belong But actually there's probably somebody else that's not saying anything either that feels exactly the same, but doesn't want to speak up. Mm. And even if there's not, like just because you don't have the same interests outside of work as your team doesn't mean that you shouldn't be doing that job or you're any less qualified or any less good. It just means Mm. that's one part of your personality, like what you do in your job and everything else is just kind of not your job.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think that's a really great note to end on. Um, And as you say, I mean hopefully this will maybe interest a few more women into getting into um analysis and getting more into the data so hopefully that will help but Katie thank you so much for being part of help I'm in my 20s it's been a pleasure and I've loved hearing all of your stories
1: thank you I'm sorry I spoke quite a lot didn't I no it's amazing I loved it (laughs) (laughs) like into full-on interview mode
0: no I've had a
1: great Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: That was amazing. Thank you so much, Katie Din. We covered so much in her career stories, from university courses to graduate recruitment, coding, self-doubt and stakeholder management. I hope you took away as much as I did from her experiences And how she made decisions along the way, as well as a better understanding of what data analysts do. And as Katie said, it's so important to hear more from amazing women in data and hopefully to encourage more women to take that step into analysis and the world of data. I also loved that Katie lived by the same mantra as one of my other guests, too. Regret the things you have done rather than the things that you didn't do. What a great note to end on. If you like this episode, please subscribe to hear more and like and comment, maybe even share it with your network. That would be extremely appreciated. If you'd like to get in touch or be a guest in my next series, please email help.twenties.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Georgie and thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Help, I'm in my 20s. See you next time.